Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Hey, welcome to Discovery Point Church. I am really, really glad that you are here, and I'm glad that I'm here. Tonight, I get to share the message of Jesus with you, and I, I just can't put it into words how excited I am to get to share this with you. And um, I don't know about y'all, it's been a long week, which usually when there's a long week and I'm speaking, that means God is going to do something amazing, and I can't wait to see what it is. So I hope you're excited, because I'm excited, uh, just to see what happens, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're just going to see what happens. Um, Before we get into tonight's message, I wanted to just say something. Um, If you've been hanging out with us for, I don't know, last few months, we've been talking through and reading through the book of Romans. And our kind of series of talks that we've been having has been on the exchange life. And we're about to conclude through the book of Romans 8, rather, and and we're going to move on, I think, to maybe a different uh, set of talks, maybe a different subject. Um, And so this is the last time that I get to speak under the series of The Exchange Life, I think, unless something happens. So there's some stuff I wanted to say about it before we get into wherever we're going next. I don't know where we're going next. But I just wanted us to know that The Exchange Life and these truths that we talked about and, and, and learned that we are united with Christ, that we're no longer slaves to sin, that, that we have been made new, that we have new life, that we are a new creation. Like, just because this series of talks is over doesn't mean the exchange life is over. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, this is just the most amazing truth in the world to me, that, that, that we are united with Christ. And it's so mysterious, and it's so wonderful, and I don't understand it all the way. But I believe in it with everything I have. And, and I just want you to know that the exchange life continues past this set of sermons and talks. So, so don't stop just because you come here and uh, the exchange life isn't on the screen anymore. Don't think that we are done with the exchange life and don't think you are done exploring it. Keep exploring it. Keep diving into it. Keep reading, keep reading Romans. My mother-in-law sent me a video uh, a few days ago, and this lady was, was teaching some things about Romans 8, and she said in the video, and I agree with her, that one of the greatest things you could ever do for your walk with Christ is to memorize Romans 8. And I believe that because there are some just incredible truths in Romans chapter 8. And, and, and yeah, so just the exchange life doesn't stop just because we stop preaching on it as the main topic, but I'm sure it'll be in the topic of our conversation. But I just wanted to say that. And, and I wanted to say this too before I start preaching, you know what I'm saying, Um, that as I've learned about the exchange life, as I've read through Romans, I've become convinced of something. I've become convinced that the exchange life is not experienced in methods or strategies or by trying to do it or anything like that. I'm convinced that the exchange life can only be experienced in relationship, in relationship to Jesus. It's the only way that you can experience it. When, when you just count on that union with Christ and you walk with him every day, right? That is the exchange life. Jesus is, is in First in, in John, First John, it says that Jesus is eternal life, that life is in him. So if we want that life, we got to know that union, right? 
and we got to walk in that relationship and, and, and talk to him and, and pray to him and sing to him and laugh with him and, and read the Bible, read about him, allow his love to change us and shape us. So if you were here tonight and you've been hearing us talk about the exchanged life, but you don't feel like you have it, man, just get closer to Jesus and just focus on him and your relationship with him. And I promise, I promise, I promise and promise you're going to start, you're going to start living life abundantly and you aren't even trying to, right? You were just focused on him and walking with him and he just started to do all these things and it's just, it's amazing. So that was my piece about the exchanged life. This is the last uh, message of mine in this little set of talks that we've been given. Um, but we're still in there tonight, right? We're not out of the exchange life yet. So uh, we'll go ahead and I'll start preaching now. Um, the, the, the scripture we're going to look at tonight is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 37. And this, once again, is the Apostle Paul. He's, he's writing to the church in Rome. And in 31, this is what he asks. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these. If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, and he's pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are being killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, Paul says no, despite all these things overwhelming victory it's ours through Christ Jesus who loves us that is our scripture for tonight it's what we're going to dive into and talk about and I am very excited very very excited the message uh tonight is titled our anthem it's titled our anthem let's pray heavenly father thank you thank you thank you thank you for who you are thank you for loving us Thank you for showing mercy on us. Thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us, God. Thank you for just for who you are. It feels so good to call you friend. And God, I just, I just want to pray that over the next few moments that we get to share together, God, I pray that you are glorified. I, I pray that, Father, you look down upon us and you smile because your people have gathered together today in unity to worship you and to learn more about you. God, I, I pray that you would just make an awareness of your presence known right now, God, that you would be undeniable tonight, that, God, all the things we're going through, all the fears, all the worries, all the struggles, God, that you would lift those burdens and you would give us a moment to rest, a moment to think about how wonderful you are, a moment to share in your word together. Pray for everybody in this room, God, myself included, that, that you wouldn't let us walk out of here the same as we walked in. And God, I pray for myself as I know for a fact I cannot do this without you. And God, I'm not going to try, but I'm going to abide and I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust knowing that you have equipped me for your will, God, and I want your will to be done 
And so, God, I pray that, that when words fill me, you would speak. And that, Father, as a communicator, you would, you would just give me what I need. God, but I pray more than anything, you would be glorified in this time, that you would use this time to draw us closer to yourself, that you would help us to let our walls down and let more of your love in. God, I love you so much, and thank you in advance for all you're going to do. And help us to have some fun tonight, man, and, and just enjoy being together. God, I love you. I thank you. And I ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So everybody's probably experienced this, but can you think of a time in your life where you placed your confidence in the wrong thing, whether it was a person or the Phoenix Suns? You know what I'm saying? I'm not over the finals yet. Still hurt. <laughs> but we, we've all experienced that, right, where you've placed your confidence in, in something and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would, so you were let down. And maybe you placed your confidence in yourself. You thought you could accomplish something or do something or handle something, and you found out that you couldn't. We've all experienced this, and tonight I get to share with you a story that I've had in my back pocket for a really long time, and I've been waiting for God to let me share it, and he gave me the go-ahead, so I'm excited to, to share this with you. Um, when I first got out of high school, me and my buddies, we all played basketball in high school, we joined the city of Peoria Men's Basketball League. And I don't know if you've ever been to a game in the Peoria City Basketball League or if you've ever played on a team in the city of Peoria Basketball League. It is an absolute circus. It's just bananas. And, but it's, it's wonderful. Like, I, I have some great memories. I, I remember one time, and this isn't the story, but when I got out of high school, I was like a buck 55, maybe, right? I was little, and we were playing. And, you know, men's league, that's a grown man game. Like, it's way different than high school basketball. And so I didn't really know kind of what was going on. And I remember I drove to the basket one time, and this really big guy who was much older than me threw all 155 pounds of me to the ground. And as I hit the ground, I hear from the crowd a woman's voice Hey, buddy. And I looked up, and it was my mom. My mom, she came to my men's league games. Right? She loves me. But I hear, hey, buddy, and I look up, and it's my mom. And I'm like, hey, buddy? It's the best you could come up with, mom? Like, this dude just threw me to the ground, and you got hey, buddy? And what is that going to do? This dude was huge. Only thing my mom was going to do is get me beat up and my dad beat up. Right? Like, that just, but men's league, it's, it's crazy. And that's just one story, but... My favorite story, and it's literally, I've played a lot of basketball in my life. This might be one of the greatest things I've ever seen on a basketball court. So the first year we were playing, the games were held at Peoria High School in the practice gym, right? And, and so we, one Sunday afternoon, we, we showed up for our game, and me and all, all my buddies, we were walking towards the gymnasium. And as we're walking, uh, there was a car in the parking lot that caught our attention, and I don't know if you've ever seen something out of the ordinary and you kind of do like the double take. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so we were walking and this, this car made us do a double take. And, and what it was is a Rolls Royce, a very nice, looked brand new, just absolutely sick car. And we were taken back because I don't know if you've been to Peoria High School, but there's not a lot of Rolls Royces over there, if you know what I'm saying. So we're like, what on earth? This is, this is crazy. And so, you know, we're just out of high school, so we're all looking at it and stuff, not knowing, you know what I mean, doing our thing. And, and we were like, man, that's crazy. So, so we walk in the gymnasium and kind of get in the, in the bleachers. And, and I'm sitting down on the front row where I got my feet on the court. 
And I take my shoes off and I'm lacing up my basketball shoes. And, and as I'm lacing them up, I see a figure of a very, um, how do I say, a very muscular, not, he didn't look normal, right? This figure looked like he had some physique um, that I didn't have. You know what I'm saying? And this guy ran by. And when I tell you I took a double take at the car, I about broke my neck looking at this dude. The dude who dribbled the basketball in front of me that day was Mike Bibby. And I don't know if you are a basketball fan or you know who that is, but Mike Bibby is a Arizona basketball legend. Won a state championship, went to the University of Arizona. I think he won an NCAA championship with the U of A, right? So Mike Bibby dribbles the ball in front of me. And I'm like, what on earth? I'm like hitting my boys like, yo, is that Mike Bibby? And what was crazy was the last time I saw Mike Bibby is he was playing in Madison Square Garden and had a Knicks uniform on. And before that, the dude was literally in the NBA Finals playing with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. So you can imagine our excitement when we're like, dude, this is Mike Bibby. I just saw this dude in Madison Square Garden. Now he's playing in Peoria High School's practice gym against me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was wild. And so you know what we do. We're like, okay, what's their team name? We, we break out our schedule, and we're like, oh, my gosh. Next week, we're playing against Mike, right? So we're all excited, and, man, all week. We were in the gym, at the park, putting shots up. Like, we were getting ready for this showdown with Mike Bibby because we wanted so bad to tell everybody, hey, you know who we beat this weekend in a basketball game? Mike Bibby, right? Like, we were so excited for, for this opportunity to do it. And so the next Sunday came around, and we're all there early, right, getting shots up. And, and they, this was a really big game, um, obviously. So they moved it to the main gym. So we were in the main gym, and, and, and there he came walking in, Mike Bibby. This dude, he looked so official, all Jordan gear. Like, he didn't have a jersey like everybody else. Like, he was my, you couldn't tell him anything, right? So he came in, and, and we're all excited, and, and the, game, the game tips off. And when I tell you that the, our team name, we were the Toon Squad. <laughs> when I tell you the Toon Squad was clicking on all cylinders that day, I mean, we were going off. Nobody could miss. We're taking charges, diving out of bounds. I mean, we were locked in. And we head into halftime. I kid you not, with like an 18 or 20-point lead on Mike Bibby, right? And so we are ecstatic. We are so pumped. Our confidence, we're through the roof. We're dapping each other up. Like, we couldn't wait for the second half to start so we could get out there and give Mike some more buckets. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were, we were ready to go. And so halftime ended, and the second half came out there, and the first few possessions went a lot like the first half did, and we were filling ourselves and making shots and all this stuff, and then, and then it happened. And then it happened. My cousin Ray is from Oklahoma, and he was living out here at the time, and he was on our team. And I will never forget this as long as I live. I had the basketball about three, about three-point line extended on the right wing, and I throw the ball to my cousin, who is at the top of the key. My cousin, who is he's six three, like a buck twenty, right, catches the ball three or four feet behind the three-point line. Right, so he's like approaching Steph Curry range, and Mike Bibby is on him. And I want to make sure my cousin, if he watches this, I want to give him credit. Mike Bibby was not just standing there lazily or anything like that. Mike Bibby was up in him, and my cousin caught the ball, ripped it through, and pulled up in Mike Bibby's grill from way downtown. And it was bottoms, just bucket, straight through the bottom of the net. And I'm like, oh my gosh. We're going to, like, tell our grandkids about that, right? Like, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. My cousin dotted Mike Bibby right in his grill, and it was awesome. 
And my cousin, after that, after he did the most amazing thing I've ever, done, I've ever seen him do, did the stupidest thing I've ever seen him do. And I kid you not, I'm not making this up. He looked at Mike Bibby right in the face, the former NBA player, U of A Wildcat, the former Pac-12 player of the year. This dude's jersey is hanging in the rafters at the University of Arizona. He looked him dead in the face, and he hit him with the smoking gun celebration. He said, bam. And I tell you, Mike Bibby did not like that very much at all. And I, God is my witness. This dude, Mike Bibby, scored on every possession for the rest of the game. It was phenomenal. I mean, he was layups, jumpers. We were double teaming him. This, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. And we lost in overtime because we could not stop Mike Bibby from scoring. And it's all my cousin's fault. <laughs> Pretty sure Mike didn't sweat the whole first half until... He hit him with the smoking guns. It's classic. It's classic. All right, let me tie this story into Romans chapter 8 for you. <laughs> Got you. My cousin in that moment, and I know my cousin very well, when he hit that shot, I know the thought that went through his head. I'm better than Mike Bibby. And his confidence, I'm talking, was through the roof. Was through the roof. But his confidence was misplaced. His confidence was in himself, in his own abilities, in his own strength, in his own jumper. And when he was faced with an opposition who was better than him, it let everybody down. Because now my story is I got to play against Mike Bibby. It's not I beat Mike Bibby in a men's league game. So my cousin, the confidence through the roof, but it was misplaced. He had all the swagger, all the confidence in the world but it didn't hold up. And I want you to see that when Paul writes these verses down in Romans chapter 8, 31 and on, he's got the same swagger my cousin did. And his confidence is through the roof. There's no way he, he started writing these things down and he's like just real meek about it. Like, yeah, God's for us. That's cool, right? Like we should, who can accuse us? Nobody, you know, like who can condemn us? Nobody. That's not how it went down. Paul was there, and he's thinking about God, and he's thinking about this reality, and he's like, yo, God is for us. Nobody can stand against us. Who, I wish somebody would accuse me. I wish somebody would try to condemn me. It, it just, it won't fly, right? And Paul, you see, his, his confidence here was not placed in himself. He can't write those things because he's thinking about himself. He can write those things and be confident in them and believe in them because of Jesus. You see, Paul, his confidence was through the roof, and it was placed in the right person. It wasn't placed in himself in the right person because if Paul's writing this and he's thinking about himself, those verses are going to look a lot different, right? Who can accuse me? Well, you know, I've done a lot of messed up things to some people, so a lot of people actually could accuse me. And, and who can condemn me? Well, I'm actually kind of the worst. I deserve all of the condemnation, right? So if Paul's looking at himself, that's what that scripture looks like. But that's not what the scripture said, because that's not Paul, where Paul was looking. He was looking to someone better. He was looking to someone greater. He was looking at Jesus. And because of his confidence in Jesus, Paul is able to write the most wonderful scripture ever. 
that God is for us. What a truth. What a reality. That God is for us. And you see, it's, it's, it's crazy to read these, these verses and these questions that Paul was asking because Jesus is the answer to all of them. Jesus is the answer to all of them. Paul asks, what, what can we say about such wonderful things as these? What wonderful things is he talking about? He's talking about a Christian's justification, a Christian's sanctification and the glory that's coming. You know how those are available? Jesus. He says God is, God is for us. Who could ever be against us? Paul is, is, is looking at God and he's thinking of God and, and God he has no rival. God has no equal. He is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all-sovereign. He is God, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who spoke light into darkness, the one who the winds and the waves obey. Paul is thinking about God, and he said, nobody, nobody can stand against me. Nobody can stand against us. And how is God for us? He sent his son, Jesus. God is for us because he did not withhold his son from us, but he gave us everything. Paul asks, who can accuse us? Us who, who God has chosen. Us who God has justified. Us who God has brought into right relationship with himself. How are we justified? How are we in right relationship with God? Take a guess. Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. He says, who can condemn us? No one. Christ Jesus died for us, and he was raised to life for us, and he is right now at the right hand of the Father, pleading for us and interceding for us. Jesus, it's all, who can condemn? We belong to Christ. He belongs to us. What does Romans 8, 1 say? That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everything Paul is talking about here is because of Jesus. And then he just asked plainly, what can separate us from Christ's love? What if, what if things get hard? What if bad things start to happen? What if trouble comes? What if calamity comes? What if challenges come? What if the cancer comes back? What if the money runs out? What if the relationship ends? What if the tests come back positive? What, what, can those separate us from Christ? Does that mean he doesn't love us anymore if, if, if we suffer, if we go through something challenging? Paul says, no, sir. No, sir. He says, all of those things you have victory over. Not just victory. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loves us. Come on, man. Do you understand the audacity of Paul to say these things? This dude hunted down followers of Christ. This dude called himself the chief of all sinners, the worst of the worst. And here he is just daring somebody to try and accuse him, daring somebody to bring condemnation to him. The chief of all sinners is claiming this. What could, what could make him say these things? What could make Paul See past his past, to see through his sin and his shame and his regret. What could make him claim these things? What could make him believe these things? What could make him have confidence in these things? 
What other than love? What other than love? Real, true, everlasting, passionate, unconditional love. The love that the love that a man would have to have to be perfect, but give himself up for imperfect people. The love of a father to send his one and only son. What other than love? My brothers and sisters, this is our anthem. This is our anthem that God is for us, that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. That nothing, no one, no power, no situation or circumstance can ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. It's our anthem. It's what we stand on. It's where our confidence is. It's why we can wake up in the morning and face what we face. It's why we can look at the world and everything going on and say, God, you're working all things together because you love me. Because you have a plan. I'm facing this right now, God, and I don't understand why, but you're working it to good. You're working it for good. I know you are. I know you are. Nothing but love, the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Paul's, the the essence of his confidence, the essence of his faith is resting in Jesus. It's resting in Jesus. He's not relying on himself, on his feelings, on what he wants. He's not, it's not his good deeds that are giving him this confidence or this faith, it's solely on Jesus. Paul is looking to Jesus. And let me tell you one of the most powerful things in the whole entire world, that we can come to church and you can hear a pastor get up here and talk really loud at you. I don't know if I scream, but I talk loud sometimes. And you can read these these verses in the Bible, and they are amazing and they are encouraging. But when you look to Jesus, when you look to Jesus, your Savior, your friend, the one who has always been by your side, and you picture, you picture the blood that, that dripped from his head, and you picture the holes in his hands, and you have that picture of love in a real relationship with a real person that you can talk to and know, you look to him and... and Jesus, who could ever come against me? Look what, look what you've done for me. Look at, all, look at all you are for me. Look at how you've, you've talked with me and you've cried with me and you've held me and you've... Jesus, it's that relationship. It's that relationship, a relationship with Jesus. It's the most important thing in the world, that you are united with him, that you're united with him that you can talk to him and you know he listens and you know he cares and you know he loves. That's how we can be confident. That's how we can be confident. And I want you to know that as we talk about Romans 8 and and this principle that we see that Paul is talking about here, that same principle holds true in the exchanged life. It holds true in the exchanged life. The exchanged life is to be lived in relationship with Jesus. It's not about counting on yourself. You'll fall short and you'll be tired and stressed. It's not about relying on your own understanding or your own resources. No, it's about living out your union with Christ. Living out your union with Christ. Do you know what you have because you're united with Christ? 
everything that is his is yours. All of his joy, all of his peace, all of his strength. It's yours. All of his resources. It's yours. And you don't just have some of them. You don't just have a little bit of Christ. You have all of Christ. May we give him all of us. Oh, how different would our lives look if we didn't count on our own understanding or our own resources. But we looked at Jesus and we realized, Jesus, everything you have is is mine. Let's work according to your will. Everything he has is yours. How different does your life look when you look to Christ? When, when When you're stressed out, when you need peace, when you don't muster up yourself, but you simply look to him. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That joy that can get you through any and all circumstances. Oh, church, if if we could just learn how rich we truly are in Jesus. In Jesus, it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. And this life is ours. It's ours. But we know as human beings that there are a lot of things that hinder us from living it. And Paul talks about a lot of them in these verses. Satan in the Bible is is named the accuser. But you see, his accusations don't hold any weight. And we know about condemnation in Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for us who in Christ Jesus. Paul says, no circumstance, no pain, no struggle. Just going through a hard time doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. He addresses these things, and, and tonight I want to just talk about one more that is in those things that Paul talked about, but I wanted to give some emphasis. Because this life is ours, and it's wonderful, and it's amazing. But I think that too often we are our own hindrance to living life. That a lot of times we are our own worst enemy. And the reason that is, is because we have a hard time accepting the love of God. We have a hard time wrapping our minds around the fact that God could love someone like me. And and because of that, because we we have a hard time accepting that love, we, we actually have a lot of fear. And we actually become afraid of that love. One way we're afraid of that love is we become jaded to love. That, that we've, we've had things happen to us in our past, that we've had too many people leave, we've had too many people hurt us that said they loved us. And now when we think about the love of God and we talk about the love of God a lot, we, we look at it through those lenses. Like God's love is like everybody else's. And, and you see, because we're afraid of God's love, we... we we don't let it get too close. We don't let God's love get too close, and, 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 and we like to keep it arm's length from us, right? And God tries to love us, and what do we do? We build up walls, and they're tall, and they're wide, and they're thick. Because God, I, 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 you got to stay right there. Do you know that research shows that the most vulnerable emotion a human being can feel is joy? 
Joy is the most vulnerable emotion that a human being can feel. Not shame, not guilt, not regret, but joy. Because the research shows that, that joy is very closely connected to fragility. And when we experience joy, it's, it's fun for a second, but then what do our thoughts go? Oh, I, I don't want to lose this. I, I, I don't want somebody to, to take this from me. It's going to hurt if that happens. I don't want to do something to mess this up. And, and, and what we do is, is we diminish our joy. And we don't let it stay very long, do we? Because we're afraid of something happening to it. And what we think is protecting us, trying to self-protect so we don't get hurt, is actually really hurting us. Because that is limiting your capacity for life. And it's limiting your relationship with God. Joy is the most vulnerable emotion we can feel. And the, the closer God's love gets to us, the more joy we start to feel and the more we start freaking out. And then what do we do? We build those walls higher and, and, and we build them longer and, and we keep God at an arm's length. And we're like, okay, God, yeah, I'll, I'll take my ticket into heaven, but you got to stay right there. I'll, I'll see you when, when I get there because we're afraid. We're afraid that God's love is going to disappoint us. We're afraid that God's love is going to hurt us. We're afraid we've, we've been jaded. We've been hurt. And it's, it's messed up our view of love. And maybe that, maybe that isn't you. Maybe you're somebody who, who loves God and, and you want God to love you, but you're afraid that if you let him in and he gets to know you, he's not going to like you very much. Maybe you're afraid that, that God's going to come in and he's going to start to know what you think about when you're alone. Maybe he's going to start to know all the things you did in your past. Maybe he's going to, maybe he's going to bail because he thinks you're damaged goods. And you're afraid. And once again, what are you doing? God, you, I'll take my ticket to heaven. That's cool. That's cool. I'll, I'll see you when I get there. And, and yeah, Jesus is good and all that stuff. But you, you can't. You can't come any closer. And it's fear that is shaping you, and it's fear that is withholding joy from you. And it's fear that is blocking you from life. Jesus didn't say, I came to give you a ticket into heaven. He said, I came to give you life. And I came to give you life in abundance. But we have a messed up definition of love and we're scared. And if that is you tonight, if you are somebody and you have God at an arm's length and you're afraid of him to get a hold of you and you're afraid of his love to get a hold of you, I got some stuff I got to say to you. And please know I'm saying this because I've been through it. Not some pastor just trying to say things. We have a lot more in common than we don't, us humans. I got some stuff I got to say to you. If that is you, I want you to know that before God laid the foundations of the earth, he knew you. Before the foundations of the earth was laid, he knew you. He named you. He, he, he ordained the time and the place that you would occupy here on earth. Do you know how many hairs you have on your head? Have, have you ever taken the time to count? 
Do you know how many hairs you have on your head? God does. God does. Do you know how many tears have ever fallen from your face? God does. Don't take my word for it. David, Psalms 56, says, God, you have kept track of all of my sorrows. You've taken account of every tear I've ever shed. Oh, my friends, if we could come to understand the love of God. When, this is, this is mind-blowing. The Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. That you are beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made. That means when, when God made you and created you, he sat back and was like, wow. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. The word fearfully doesn't mean afraid. It means in awe. That means God made you, and he was like shocked himself. He's like, I did it. Wow. You guys see this? He's, he's so in love with you. He's so in love with you. Are you, afraid of, are you afraid of God disappointing you? Do you know what he's done for you? He sent his one and only son to die for you. He didn't do that so when times get hard, he would bail. He didn't give everything for you so he would turn around and walk away from you when you weren't obedient, when you didn't understand him, when you rejected him. God didn't pay everything to leave you. On the contrary, he paid everything, not for your, your offerings or your sacrifices or your deeds. He paid everything because he wants your heart. He wants your affection. God wants you to love him so bad. And he wants you to let him love you. If you are afraid of letting God in because he's going to disappoint you, look at the cross. Look what he paid to have you. That was a high price. He didn't do that to bail. If you are afraid of, of, of disappointing God, of, of letting God in and him coming in and, and, and finding out that you're damaged goods, that you have messes and you have struggles and you're, and you're not all the way right and, and you have pain and you have sin and you have lust and you have addiction and you have anxiety and depression. He knew you before he laid the foundations of the earth. He knew every sin you will ever commit before you did it. And you know what he did? He sent his son to suffer and die for you for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This love is unlike anything you've ever known. It's unlike anything you could ever come up with. It's better than you could ever imagine. He loves you. And a lot of times, We have a hard time loving ourselves. Do we not? We have a hard time loving ourselves. So we think, how could God ever love me if I don't even love myself? But you see, you don't love yourself because you're not looking at yourself the way God looks at you. But if you would allow that love in, you would begin to look at yourself differently. You would begin to understand yourself differently. You begin to look at people differently. You would be completely changed. You see, our, our misunderstanding of love has given us a lot of fear, and we're afraid. But God's love is not like any love we've ever known, because God's love is perfect, and perfect love casts out fear. 
So you are holding back from the only thing that can satisfy your soul. You have at arm's length the only thing that can satisfy the hole in your heart. It's time to put your arm down. It's time to let the walls down. It's time to just take a chance. Just give it a shot. Take, take a shot on God. Let him in. Let his love change you and shape you and let you know who you really are. And we're going to give you that opportunity tonight. A few, well, whenever Mother's Day was, my, my mom spoke and, and she ended the, the, the time together with a song. And my homie Allison Topetti, I think she got married, I think that's her last name, sang a song called The Blessing. And, 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 and everybody, we, we, if you remember this, we just sat here and, and we listened to that song. And I was at every single service. And every service as that song was going on, I, I looked around the room. And I saw so many different people, some old, some young, different struggles, different strengths, different gifts, different circumstances. And I looked at all these people, and some of them were singing along. Some of them were just watching the screen. Some of them were praying. And I thought, God, you love all of these people, all of them. And Saturday night, I'll never forget this as long as I live. A man named Jason sat right here in this front row. And Jason is a real cool dude, kind of a bigger, huskier guy. He plays the bass like he's cool. In the whole song, this man sat there with his head bowed and his arms open. And I thought, when's the last time we just let God love us? When's the last time we just let him love on us? That we put our messed up view of love to the side that, that we put away the things that we think about ourselves. When's the last time we just got rid of all of those things, all of the things we're worried about and trying to control? When's the last time you just let God love you? And how powerful that is. Because his love is what changes us. It's his love. So the band is, is, is going to play a song. And as they play it, you're going to just let God love you. And if you want to stand up and sing and worship, do it. If you want to sit there and, and read the words, they're powerful and they're about you. Read them. If you want to pray and you just want to have your arms open and let God just overwhelm you with his love, let it happen. If you got to cry, cry. If you got to smile, smile. But whatever you do, don't walk out of this room tonight without letting God's love get a hold of you. There is nothing like the love of Jesus. God is for us. And whatever you're going through, it may be hard, it may be challenging, you may be sitting there like, I don't know what to do. God's love will bring you comfort, and it will bring you confidence that your heavenly Father works all things together for your good. So I'm going to pray for us. And let these guys take it away. Father God, I love you and I thank you for, for, for what you're doing tonight. And God, I just pray over every person in this room right now that God, you break down our walls 
and you help us to put our arms down so that you can come in. God, get rid of the thoughts of anxiety and depression and worry and fear and regret. God, get rid of them all. Help us to let go and just embrace your love. God, I pray right now with everything in me that your love would just overwhelm us right now. That we would walk out of this room like Paul with our heads held high and a smile on our face because the God of the universe loves us. Because he loves us. And because that is our anthem. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.